What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Got a fun show for you today. I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony's legacy. He moved into the top 10 in NBA history, an all-time scoring list. Uh, Quite an accomplishment. And just because of the way the sort of mailbag episode uh, shook out yesterday, we didn't have time to sort of reflect on that. And I think it's a big deal. And I want to talk about Melo's legacy. just, you know, I want to give it a little give it a little room to breathe here in the first segment. Then I want to talk about uh, the race for six. What's going on in uh, with the with the teams battling the Blazers to avoid that seventh play that seventh spot and the play in tournaments. We'll uh, we'll do a quick look around the league to what is happening today. And then finally, I want to close the show with a special delivery mailbag. We just got uh, a handful of a handful of questions that didn't make um yesterday's show and I want to close the show answering those questions because if you ask them I want to answer them here that's how the podcast works that's how mailbag should work we don't have quite enough for a full special delivery episode well we got a segment's worth of questions that's what we'll do to close the show but let's start with Carmelo Anthony he hit a three and got fouled and hit a free throw and that free throw put him into 10th all-time passing Elvin Hayes he is now the NBA's 10th all-time leading scorer just nine players in the history of the league have scored more points than Portland's own Carmelo Anthony. And Jason Quick of The Athletic, friend of the show and also my real-life friend, a a wonderful reporter and writer, wrote a long story, a long profile about uh, Carmelo Anthony's sort of rise from his youth days in Baltimore as as an eight-year-old to where he is now. And it was was a rare chance for Melo to reflect. And I'm not going to, like, read you a passage or even um, really recap the story. Just, like, subscribe to The Athletic, read Jason's work. If you like the Blazers, no one gets you closer than Jason. It's why I bring him on the podcast, like, minimum once a month and often more than that, because he's great. Uh, So read his his story on Melo, read his profile. Of, of Mello, it, it's um, it's worth your time. But there was a uh, there was a bit in there that uh, really struck me, and that's what I want to reflect on here. Is that um, Mello is not really loved by by like the media and maybe by fans. Like he's he's not super celebrated. Uh, I think you know moving into the top ten all time list is like really 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 impressive. But there's something about uh, the way Mello's career has gone, and I don't think it's like a, a mystery. We'll get into it in a second. But he's not like revered by fans and media the same way that other sort of legends on the list ahead of him are. You know, he's not he did not get the same treatment that Dirk did when Dirk climbed into the in there. I mean, obviously one team and all that. There's there there's some there's some obvious stuff there, but but he is he is just just revered by his peers. I have uh, in my time around the team, I have never seen um, players in a locker room gravitate to someone the way they gravitate, and the sort of aura around Carmelo Anthony, the aura around Carmelo Anthony, like he is. He just has a draw about him that that players gravitate towards. Like I've never I've really never seen Damon CJ and who are you know when when I when I was last in the locker room with uh, with them and Melo at the same time in their seventh and eighth seasons in the NBA and just the, the sort of reverence they have for him. I can't explain that enough. And, uh, and Jason does a good job of sort of highlighting that. But he, uh, what you don't get from Melo is sort of a, I don't know if it's like respect, I think that's the wrong word, but sort of the, um, like the dude is a legend. And I, <laughs> and I don't think, um, I don't think he necessarily gets 
gets celebrated in that that same way. And some of it is just obvious stuff, the way his career has gone. Uh, you know, he he was at the peak of his powers in Denver and, you know, made the Western Conference Finals in 2009, had a had an epic series battling against Kobe Bryant. Um, and then within two years, he was demanding a trade out and uh, forcing his way into the market he wanted to be via trade ahead of his free agency. Like, um, And prior to that, he had had beef with George Carl, like on the bench in Denver, where Carl openly uh, questioned his commitment to defense. I mean, <laughs> George Carl beefing with players is not exactly new or like unique to Mello or anything like that. But like he his his exit from Denver was a little was a little dicey. And then in Denver, he had that a strange, he kind of had a strange relationship with Jeremy Lin, where he was maybe like unnecessarily rude about Jeremy Lin's contract in a public way, um, in, a, in a way that um, just wasn't necessary by any means. He had some sort of ongoing beef with Phil Jackson, where Jackson like basically didn't think Carmelo was good and kind of prodded him in the press. You know, Phil Jackson and Car- and uh, George Carl being <laughs> being jerks is not like unique to Mello, but he caught the wrath and that became part of the story. And then being on those bad Nick teams, by the time he left New York, he wasn't, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, hailed as a hero on upon arrival. They had, you know, basically one really, really good season where they won 54 games and made the second round of the playoffs. And other than that, they, they didn't. Um, you know, they, they're, the Nick teams, for the most part, weren't super good with Melo on there. And uh, and then after he leaves New York, he had this sort of strange fits in OKC and uh, and Houston and some unceremonious exits, like um, getting benched in OKC and then getting just sent home in, in Houston because he was about to be benched. Uh, like this, the sort of, even here in Portland, after he's arrived and had this redemption story, like last year, the arc was fun, but now I feel like um, there is a certain section of the fan base, and I'm certainly involved in this to some extent, is like thinks that Melo, you know, plays too much and shoots too much and ball hogs, you know, like I think um, he's not, he he just, he he hasn't got his, his flowers, like he gets it from his peers, his peers love him, the way LaMelo Ball wanted to like go, you know, exchange jerseys with him and make sure he, you know, um, you know, got to, got to spend some time with him, the way Damon CJ treat him, like his peers really respect him, but people like me and perhaps you, dear listener, maybe don't, I feel like we maybe don't respect like how special t- getting to top 10 all-time scoring is. I think some of that is rings culture. I think some of that is like, you know, Carmelo Anthony hasn't hasn't played in a championship or much less won one. And so like, you know, you don't celebrate him the way you celebrate other guys. Um, he hasn't, you know, he's been in the shadow of LeBron James because the other, you know, one of the guys, top three all-time in scoring is LeBron, the same dude who... Um, was in his draft class and they've always been linked together. But if you are the other guy in the LeBron James draft class, you are the other guy. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the 03 draft class. I think Dwayne Wade would have some something to say about the other guy, but you all know what I mean. Like this is uh Mello like Mello has Mello for reasons of his own doing and Mello for reasons sort of outside of his control, like the connection to LeBron James and the sort of um the way sort of super teams matched up around him while he played for kind of an inept franchise in the New York Knicks and where those and where stars decided to go. Um, You know, he just, he hasn't had the chance to be, I don't feel like he's been celebrated. And some of it is the way he's every team he's left, he's left with sort of bad taste in their mouth. Um, And, and it's, 
I hope that doesn't end this way in Portland, although part of me thinks it's sort of kind of trending in that direction to some extent. But I think we should celebrate Melo is my point of all this. Like um, what Jason's story made me really think is sort of how perception and how legacies are created. Uh, And Carmelo's legacy should be created as he's an all-time great player. He's an all-time great player. He's... uh, you know, he's just, he's just, the dude is a bucket, a born bucket from, from Syracuse to the team USA, to all his stops in the NBA from Denver, New York, I guess, OKC and Houston joined the list to the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, he's just, when, when, even this year, when he's good and when he scores, like he scores at a high level, I've, I've highlighted this when he scores 18 plus the Blazers are 13 and five, like they're good. They're just a good team when, when he gets buckets, when Melo goes off because he's, that's what he does. He's an absolute professional scorer. One of the 10 most prolific scores in the history of this sport. The Blazers still win at age 36 and in year 18, like it still happens. So that's why I want to I want to take this moment for if you if you have some negative feelings in your heart or if you can't decide whether you you kind of want to embrace Mellow or whatever for now for this moment in this moment let's say let's embrace him let's say that Mellow deserves Mellow deserves this moment to be given his flowers and so let's let's not just give him his flowers let's give him the dang ultra player of the week that's right joy creates success and there was a moment in the locker room after the Blazers lost in Atlanta, when the team recognized Mello and he said, he, you know, he, he'd been given a lot of basketballs and he had he kind of jokingly on the, the videos the team shared on social media, kind of resisted giving speeches. He, he had gone to this line where he would say, I could be anywhere else in the world right now, but I choose to be here with y'all. And everyone would laugh and he'd get a new basketball and he'd be, you know, 14th, 13th, 12th, 11th, and now 10. But 10 means something. 10 really is a special number. You know, that's, I, I think we, we loved, we loved, 10s in basketball but I think this really is truly important and Carmelo was clearly he had a moment to be thankful for his team and um that that joy that moment that enjoyment that ability to be happy and find happiness and find joy after a loss and be able to reflect on that that is the spirit of the ultra player of the week and it's the spirit of like what makes basketball fun enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game and i feel like mellow who maybe was in a dark space sort of outside incapable of joy has rediscovered that joy here with the portland trailblazers so that's why he's the ultra player of the week. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? All right. So we talked about Mello. Listen, for a moment, for a moment in your heart, just agree that Mello is really good and deserves to be recognized as such. Uh, his faults aside. But now let's move on. Let's talk about the race for the sixth, the sixth spot. Uh, used to be sort of the race for eighth is what we track here, but the NBA has done a good job, unless you ask LeBron James or Mark Cuban, at making um, the regular season relevant by adding a play-in round. By by adding this play-in round, they've they've truly added some added some real relevance to the final final couple weeks. I mean, usually this time of year, basketball. NBA teams are just kind of like, oh, we're up four games, you know, four, you know, three and a half game lead with with ten left. Yeah, we can just dog it. Like it doesn't matter. We'll get there. But um, 
now sixth is wildly important. So I want to take a quick look at sort of the teams in the Blazers' orbit, uh, what they've been doing and what they've got ahead of them. The Dallas Mavericks just went into South Beach and beat the snot out of the uh, Miami Heat. Uh, it was... They ended up winning by 14, but for my money, it wasn't even that close. Uh, the Heat came back in some extended garbage time at the end of this one. Uh, and with that win, the Dallas Mavericks, who are in sixth place and a half game up, move a full game, a full game ahead of the Portland Trailblazers and tie the fifth place Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, of course, won last night without LeBron James against the Denver Nuggets. A huge win for the scuffling Lakers who have lost 7 of 10, including three in a row, uh, including games, you know, with with your boy LeBron. But that's important with LeBron, right? Because the Lakers have a back-to-back coming later this week where they play the Clippers and the uh, your Portland Trailblazers on Friday. LeBron James not going to blame either of them. According to Adrian Wodronowski of ESPN, LeBron James likely to rest his sore ankle against the Clippers Thursday and then against the Blazers Friday. Uh, Lakers follow those that game up with a Sunday game against Phoenix. Uh, that's really three really tough games, three potential losses, and obviously a huge one Friday for the Blazers. Uh, you know they play Wednesday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's that's just a take care of business. Five and one on a road trip. Like the Cavs aren't very good, but they're good enough to, to beat the Blazers. Uh, right now, uh, Norman Powell listed as questionable heading into Wednesday's game against the Cavs and Damian Lillard listed as probable with a with that foot injury. I promised you an update here and that's what we know. Uh, it's, a, it's a left foot contusion. Dame told uh, reporters after the game that he's been dealing with something similar. He just kind of got uh, stepped on, kicked by uh, Onyeka Kongwu and he he immediately was hurt, obviously subbed out of the game um, with the game kind of in hand. But he said afterwards he's been dealing with sort of a similar kind of like below his ankle foot injury. And this was kind of an aggravation of it. But he's listed as he's listed as probable. Norman Powell, who's dealing with a sore knee, is listed as questionable. Uh, Powell was also listed as questionable for the game against the Hawks, but warmed up before the game and then decided to give it a go. So, you know, questionable basically 50-50. 50-50 with the sore knee. We'll see what happens with Norm. I, the the Cavs are bad enough that the Blazers should be able to win without one of those two dudes, but I think uh, the Blazers would really be playing with fire if both of them miss that game. Uh, the Mavericks, I almost don't even want to talk about the Mavericks continuing schedule because it gets, <laughs> they have they basically have one hard game left on the schedule. That that might be a little mean, but they don't have many. Uh, Thursday, they, they host the Brooklyn Nets. That's that's huge, right? Like that's that's their toughest game. If there's a chance the Mavs win out if they beat the Brooklyn Nets, followed that by Cleveland, Cleveland, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto, Minnesota. Uh, I think at Memphis is is a tough game. Uh, potentially, uh, New Orleans might just be out of it, so I'm not sure that the final three games of the season are going to matter for the Pelicans. Uh, Toronto's probably going to be out of it. Who knows what sort of mood they'll be in in terms of resting and et cetera, et cetera. And Minnesota's just not very good, although they're, they've been playing a lot better lately. Like, the Mavs have an easy schedule ahead of them. The Lakers have a relatively easy schedule, except for this sort of upcoming upcoming stretch and then it kind of softens down the back, back half of, of, of these final eight games. They play at the Clippers and then 
at Portland on, on Friday, second night of a back-to-back on the road. Home against Phoenix, home against the Knicks, two tough games, and then Houston, Indiana at New Orleans. Like those are those last three are wins probably for the Lakers, especially if LeBron James plays again. Who knows? I don't think or I guess rather, I just don't know what New Orleans is going to do. They won tonight against Golden State to kind of keep their hopes alive. I'm recording this on a Tuesday evening. Uh, they To kind of keep their sort of slim hopes at making the play-in tournament are, 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 uh, still alive. But like, uh, you know, they've... By the final three games of the year, they might, you know, final game of the season, it might be it might be curtains for them and they might just kind of um, call it that and head into the offseason. But... Uh, you know, obviously the Blazers have the toughest schedule of one of these teams remaining on paper. It remains to be seen kind of what the uh, what the rest of their, the, you know, they play good teams at the end of the year and you just never know what's going to happen with good teams at the end of the year. A listener pointed that out. Blazers close with Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. Those teams might have it wrapped up. So, uh this is, this is where things stand. The Blazers are in seventh place, a full game back of Dallas, a full game back of LA. Uh, the Friday game against, I mean, first take care of business against Cleveland. Uh, not an easy game, six game of a road trip. You've been on the road for 10 days, all those things. Uh, maybe you might not be at full strength depending on who's available in the backcourt, but take care of business against the Cavs. That's, that's step one. Uh, once you clear that huge, huge, huge game on Friday, we'll talk about that more later in the week, but you, you beat the LeBron Lakers um, assuming you also beat the Cleveland Cavaliers that you've won six of seven heading into your final stretch with uh, three of your final five games at home that's you know this is this would put them put them in a good spot I don't think I like looking at the rest of the schedule uh, I don't think the if the Lakers don't lose a bunch this weekend, like if they don't lose to the Clippers and the Suns and the Blazers this weekend, I don't see a lot of other losses. And if the the Cavs or the Cavs, the Mavs, if they don't lose Thursday night to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they might not have a loss left on their schedule. So um, the Blazers are are it's tough. Like it's going to be tough. They're they're. Um, they put themselves in a difficult position by by having some by losing a bunch of games there a couple weeks ago. Um, they they're climbing back. They they've looked. They're playing better basketball, undeniably. But um, the the sort of the value of getting sixth is incredibly obvious. You don't want to be stuck, um, and they're in a position where they might end up stuck. I mean, they might. It's just. Friday's a huge one, and then even then, even winning that game, I don't think. I mean, it puts you in the right position. That's all you can ask for. But I like if you just sort of. That's why I want to do a state of the league thing. It's like or state of state of sixth place. Like even if you do that, you might still end up behind it just because of what's ahead for the Lakers and the Mavericks. And um, you finish seventh. Your reward might be the Golden State Warriors uh, in a play-in game. That's that's not great. You finish sixth. Your reward is four days off. Um, and then maybe a meeting with the Denver Nuggets or the LA Clippers. So, so I would rather have the time off and uh, and play like a quote-unquote better basketball team in round one than have to go into a situation where you have a you know a single game against uh, Steph Curry, and then if you lose that, then you have a sort of single game against Memphis or or San Antonio to get yourself back into the playoffs, and then you got to play uh, the the Utah Jazz or whatever it is. Like it's not. Um, 
you want to avoid the play-in game. And even if the Blazers do, even if the Blazers kind of um, take care of the things they can take care of, uh, they it's they're still going to meet some challenges. So that is the state of the race for sixth. Also, the play-in tournament's working. These games are important. Um, the regular season matters now. It works. It worked. The NBA did it. I'm, I don't know if I like it, but it worked. And it, I, I imagine it's here to stay. All right, let's come back in the third segment and close out the show with a special delivery mailbag. A couple questions that didn't make it into our Mailbag Monday show, uh, we will answer to close out the show. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. Look, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what it is. They've got nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavors. So make sure you're checking the website, builtbar.com, for to see what's new. Um, listen, here's, here's some good ones. Cherry, mint brownie, Peanut butter brownie, salted caramel. Those are money. Those are just some of them that absolutely rock. But all the Bilt Bar flavors are really good. There's something for everybody. Uh, my personal favorite probably is peanut butter brownie. But you really can't. You really can't go wrong. Like I didn't even mention it, but a, a double chocolate shows up in the box. Great, give it to me. Coconut almond. I'll grab that one too. Uh, not only are they delicious, but they're also Pretty darn healthy too. Each of them has at least 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only four grams of sugar, plus so much fiber that you're only dealing with four grams of net carbs. Listen, order today. Get the raspberry, get the mint brownie, get that peanut butter brownie that your boy likes so much. Whatever it is, don't miss out. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use that promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Look, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's what it is. That's that's how it works. Go to their website, betonline.ag, and there you're going to find the latest news, odds, and info on all your sports betting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, all that stuff. So don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get in the game as teams in the basketball and hockey world prepare for the playoffs and, and baseball hits its stride heading into the summer months. So head on over to betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On. you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, the promo code is Locked On, and what you'll get with that is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about Melo's legacy. Uh, I, I encourage you to sort of reflect and enjoy on what a special player he is um, and, and what he's meant to the Blazers. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have made the run they did to get into the playoffs last year without him. They wouldn't be they wouldn't for all his faults, they wouldn't be where they are this year without him because um, frankly they they need that scoring punch sometimes and he still got it even even in year 18. Uh, we talked about where the Blazers stand in the race for six. It's incredibly important to avoid avoid seventh place. The Blazers have a, have a chance ahead of them to do it, but the teams they're chasing, Dallas and, and the Los Angeles Lakers, they've got an easier road ahead of them, and uh, they've been taking care of business as well. Uh, LeBron James's health will probably loom the largest, but uh, even even if the Blazers can take care of business, they're going to be uh, it's going to be an uphill road. All you can do is win the games in front of you. 
that's the Blazers' best bet is just just keep on winning uh, and hope that things kind of break your way. But what I want to do here to close the show is a special delivery mailbag edition. These are spillover questions or just special delivery questions um, that didn't make the Mailbag Monday show either because of timing or because I kind of held them out. Uh, there's a couple others that if you at, that folks asked this week that aren't going to be in this one because they're just big. They deserve a little more space. I will reserve them for a time when we have more space to do them. So, uh, so trust me, I'm I, I'm nice with these word docs. I got things organized. I, I know what my future future special delivery mailbags are going to look like. But let's get into a couple that I've got from this week. This first one comes from Jason Reyes at Jason underscore Reyes underscore on Twitter, who asks, "Which former Blazer are you surprised is still in the league?" with the uh, asterisk that says needs to have played at least one full season with the team. Well, the answer is that the player I'm most surprised is still in the league is the former Blazer is Anthony Tolliver, but I'm not allowed to say Anthony Tolliver, so I won't. So here's one thing about the NBA. It is trending so much younger that there aren't these guys, um, unless they're like Udonis Haslam or something, that just sort of like hang around the league forever. Uh, You know, like... Andre Iguodala is the oldest player in the league who plays regularly. Carmelo Anthony, Marcus Gasol, LeBron James, like most of the dudes who sort of like play, like older guys are people who are good enough to still contribute. So there aren't sort of like those like weird hang around dudes. Like Anthony Tolliver and maybe Taj Gibson to some extent are like the like Jared Dudley, I guess is a really good example of like sort of like hang around veterans. The, the league has just gone away from that. Uh, players, teams prioritize too much uh youth they want to lose use their uh 15th roster spot on upside and not sort of veteran wisdom so there aren't this there aren't just like sort of vets that that really fit the bill anymore like i'm not surprised that 34 year old wesley matthews is still in the league like he's pretty good i'm not surprised that nick batum is still in the league he's only 32 even though he's been in the league for 13 seasons uh i'm not surprised that other older guys like robin lopez who's north of 30 or, or patty mills are still in the league like they're they're high level contributors uh, so I think the the player, former Blazer that I'm most surprised still in the league is is Tim Frazier. Um, and really, this is just because of the parameters of the question. Frazier is, you know, he's a he's a fringe NBA guy. Even when he made the league, he was a fringe NBA guy. Coming signing as the Blazers, you know, end of the season addition, and then kind of hanging around against some of the odds after that. Um, he's he's a, he's like kind of a classic example of a dude who's always going to be on the edges. And he signed a couple ten days with the Memphis Grizzlies, and his, they valued him enough to bring him back for or you know extend him for the rest of the season. So he's my choice for like most surprising Blazer that's still still in the league. But I think what this question made me realize is like how how young the back half of NBA rosters are. Everyone wants someone, you know, 19 to 22 who might get better. They don't want a 37-year-old with the wisdom. And the left of the Lakers. Lakers are, are pro-wisdom. Next question comes from Jeff V, who says, I hate to be that guy, and I really wanted Zach Collins to succeed in Portland, but the number of guys we drafted over him in the 2017 NBA draft probably makes us a legitimate championship team. Some of those guys are Bam Adebayo, John Collins, OG Ananobi, uh, Donovan Mitchell, not listed in this paragraph, but certainly should be. This is definitely Olshay's worst draft, considering we had three first-round picks and should be talked about more. If we didn't make the trade up to Collins, and we, we, could, we could have had John Collins. Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, Monty Morris, or Kyle Kuzma, any of which would be extremely helpful right now. Yeah, so I I I am I, I've heard this a lot, and so I wanted to bring this up from the question from Jeff that he actually sent me a, a while ago, and I've kind of been hanging on to it for six weeks. But um 
I'm kind of hesitant to criticize the draft in general because I think it's a crapshoot and I think it's really random. Um, and if you go back and look at the sort of thoughts around the draft, I don't think, I think Zach Collins was considered to go about that high. Um, and guys like John Collins and OG Ananobi were more likely to be in the Blazers range. So like the perception was that Zach Collins was a high level lottery pick and the Blazers traded up and, 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 treated him as such because he likely would not have been there like it was sort of that was like the consensus thoughts on him is that um he was going to go that high for the most part i think people were excited about zach collins um and 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 it's also weird like a lot of zach's problems are injuries and and maybe it's that's kind of hard to predict you know like him him getting shoulder surgery seems like maybe um just kind of a a weird freak thing his feet hurting is uh, his feet being you know hurt consistently is another thing and like it's it's trouble it's troubling for big guys it's ended a lot of careers and it's i i'm sure that it's uh frustrating and a little bit scary for him but like in general i i'm not like one to say well they could have had donovan mitchell um you know they wouldn't have obviously because of the guards they have in the roster but i'm a little i'm a little hesitant to uh pick apart drafts particularly late late picks like the kyle kuzma and monty morris stuff like sure every team wishes they got a really good player in the late draft like even in the the, where the blazers were going to select if you get a player who can play regularly like the expectations for picking like 15th in the draft is like is this dude going to be a competent nba player at any point in his career if he if it's yes if he's like a top seven nba contributor at any point in his career you did a good job like you picked someone who, who could last in the league good work but yeah i mean I, but the other part the other side of this is undeniable it's undeniable bam Adebayo is an all-star and one of the best players in the nba at his position he would be he would put the Blazers in championship in the championship tier immediately with his abilities. Um, I'm, John Collins wouldn't do that, but he'd be a, he's a lot better than Zach Collins, that's for sure. OG Ananobi would um, is the exact type of player the Blazers need. He can play he can play three, four, and five. He can guard every position. His his like ceiling is defensive player of the year type of thing. Like he's going to get votes for first team all defense this year. He's been that good. Um, yeah, there's just it's undeniable. Looking at the draft, undeniable um, how how many other impact players there were but I in general I think like you could say like they could have picked Giannis and not CJ McCollum like I don't like to I don't think nitpicking is makes total sense but I also think the 2017 draft specifically is an undeniable one where the Blazers went the wrong way they just they just went the wrong way next question comes from Zach and brings us full circle on the on the episode Zach asks, with Carmelo getting to 10th on the all-time scoring list, do you think he'll seriously consider consider retiring after this season? I love Carmelo and have since I started watching basketball, and I love that the Blazers got to be hopeful, got to be hopefully the last chapter of his career. But with all the, of the obligations we seem to have with playing him 20 minutes a game, I don't think we can ever get any better as a team unless he really decides to step up on defense or sit when he's cold on offense and i don't think any of us blazers fans see that happening anytime soon this is kind of the joy that i was trying to bring in the first segment Melo has his flaws uh he's not a good defensive player never has been and now father time is working against him or mother time i guess also probably working against him as well in tandem but if 
I don't think you have mellow without the minutes guarantee. I think they go hand in hand. Um, so if he is back, and, and it seems pretty clear from the kicker in the Jason uh, Quick story, I encourage you to read it. I'm not going to quote it here. That Melo is not planning to retire. He's not this. He doesn't see this as his final season. That doesn't mean that he won't get there and decide to retire or figure out what's next for him. But um, I don't think that this is a retirement tour or anything like that, or a retirement season. I think he's gen. He's going to cons- like. I think he knows that he's still good enough to play, and that if his body will let him, he'll consider running it back again. I think he loves basketball and and still thinks he can do it at a relatively high level, which I think is true. Even with all the things you mentioned, Zach, about his about his issues. He's he he's not much of a passer. He's a bad defender and the Blazers have carved out a major role for him. Some of the role stuff is that Terry really trusts him too. Like Terry rolls Terry plays mellow a bunch of minutes even when he doesn't have to. Um not even not even custodians of legacy stuff, just like coach preference stuff, uh which is its own uh which is its own thing. Um but yeah, I don't think I don't think Melo's going to retire. That doesn't mean he'll be back with the Blazers. Um, it doesn't mean he'll be back with the Blazers for sure. He might end up somewhere else. Uh, he might go chase that a, a, a more elusive ring um, because it, it 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 changes the perception and the way people talk about you when it's one time NBA champion. Uh, the further further people get away, they forget that Gary Payton won that title with the Miami Heat, and they just say, look at his basketball reference page, and they say, oh yeah, champion baby. Um, so. I don't think Melo's retiring. I don't know if he'll be back in Portland, but the Blazers have definitely done enough to sort of like keep him around and treat him the right way. And seems like for the most part, at least this iteration of the Blazers values what he brings. It's a big question of what next year's team will look like and what they will value. Because if you bring Melo back, you bring him back to play. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, Later this week, Henry Abbott from True Hoop uh, is going to join the program, so do not miss that one. Make sure you check back. Blazers play the Cavaliers uh, when you're listening to this uh, either tonight or Wednesday evening, or they just played the Cavaliers, depending if if you get a little bit behind on episodes. But So we'll have a show after that one. Uh, Make sure you you check that out. Listen, this podcast coming at you five days a week. We're bringing you what you need to know. So tell your friends about it. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. On that note, um, I don't know how you got this far in the podcast, maybe without knowing this, but Apple Podcasts has had a ton of issues. I heard from a lot of listeners and it's it's like a known thing in the sort of Locked on Podcast network circles. So uh, I recommend using independent apps like Overcast. Um, that's what I use to listen to my podcast. I don't have issues with it. Uh, I know... The majority of you, I know that just from the stats, listen on Apple Podcasts. But if you've been having trouble and your your feed hasn't been updating, check out Overcast. It's a great, um, it, it is a great spot uh, to uh, listen to listen to podcasts. And I haven't had any trouble with it. All right, that's it. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.